1: You know, after two very strenuous days in which Tom Brady threw about 80% of the passes, he needed a day off. He needed a veteran day off. Made perfect sense after taking 11 previous days before the two days. But it's clear that they're going to uh, try to save Tom Brady's arm. And I'm still waiting to see. We don't know because we haven't been told yet by Todd Bowles whether Brady's going to play in this final preseason game or not. Um, there's positives and negatives to both. You obviously don't want to put him in harm's way, uh, but he hasn't had any game reps you know, with his center, with his offensive line. Um, I'm, again, I'm not sure who's going to be around him in terms of receivers, who they would play, whether they play Julio Jones or Mike Evans, who have both been practicing. But it, it, this is kind of the way it's going to go, I think, this year anyway with respect to practice. And, and you know, th- this is kind of a bonus week in the sense that um, this final game doesn't really matter other than some evaluation things. They're getting ready for the Dallas Cowboys. They're actually practicing and and working off cards and things for the Cowboys. And they'll have a you know an extra week after this preseason game in Indy on Saturday. So Brady is going to have these days off. He had them last year. Uh, not as many as he's had, obviously, with the 11-day hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, uh, wasn't surprised to not see him throwing. He was there, which was encouraging. He was... Watching his guys, and, and it was clear that he had worked out and things like that. Does, but, by taking
0: the day off, does that lead you to believe he might play Saturday? Um, I mean, you know, Friday's just a walkthrough, generally.
1: Right. He's got almost, if he's not going to play, then Friday. Now, there's a practice today, and they've been inside two days in a row, in mm-hmm. part because they're going to be playing on turf. And I think they wanted them to get used to the footing there, um, which is similar to what it's like at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Um, yeah, you could look at it two ways. I mean, you could say, yeah, you know, since he's going to play, we're going to give him some time on the front end and, uh, and get him ready, you know, but if he's not playing, then when we get to Friday, uh, which is a travel day, but they'll do a walkthrough and, 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 and the guys who are actually playing will, will be looking at some basic things for the Colts so they can function out there you know, if he's not playing, he's not gonna do anything that day either. So maybe you you could have a point that maybe by taking today off means that he's gonna work the rest of the week and play a little bit anyway on, on Saturday night. He's played in most preseasons. I mean most preseasons he's had at least like one game uh where he did some things. And I think last year uh he might have played in the final game or the next next to last game. Uh uh and and he threw for you know quite a few yards for for the brief time he was there. So who knows? Um, it's it's obviously basically whatever Tom thinks he needs. But with a new offensive line, and they continue to say, you know that uh, what me worry about the offensive line. They haven't announced who's going to start at left guard. I I think tryouts are over. I could be wrong about that. I think I think Luke uh is going to be the he's going to be the left guard. I really do because I I think. He continues to line up there with the starting group in practice every day. Um, It it, it seems like they drafted him for this purpose. And they have made many, um, not excuses, but sort of, uh, they're not too freaked out about the two holding penalties and giving up a sack in his first start last week at Tennessee. And they actually think that in some ways, you know, you get those out of the way. You realize what you can and can't get away with. But otherwise, um, as Byron Lefwich told us today, said something about worrying about, uh, the, you know, the the status or, or sort of the offensive line. And he goes, you mean me worry or you guys worry? <laughs> it's like, well, okay, if you want to play it that way, sure. How about the fans worry? Um, but they are kind of, you know, kind of whistling past it. And, um, you know, all that matters is what happens when they get to Dallas. I mean, you know, even if they were to play poorly, you know, against Indianapolis, wouldn't be a good sign, but doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, but you do think, you, you know, you want – as a group you want the five of them to be out there you want them to uh, make the right calls um, pick up the stunts and the twists and everything see things together uh, and protect whoever's back there whether it's Brady or Blaine Gabbert or Cal Trask so I tend to think personally would I play Tom Brady probably not I tend to think Brady will play a little bit in this game I, I just think that been away for 11 days, uh, didn't have the benefit of the scrimmage time that he, he would have gotten at Tennessee. So really has had just one practice against Miami where there was you know some simulation of a game uh, without contact, however. And I just think it's different when you know guys can put you on the ground and they could put the receivers on the ground. So I, I, I tend to think he's going to play some, but hey, don't make your plans on Saturday night around what I say because if you do that... You're probably not going to be happy with me, and I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, you were at the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they win, win, win. All they do is win, 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 no matter what, what, what. Extra innings this time, which they've been bad in extra inning games. I think overall,
0: I think they were eight and nine going in an uh, in extra innings, so now they're nine and nine, I believe. Yeah, but yeah, they've won what? <clears throat> they've won ten out of twelve. The only two mm-hmm. losses in that stretch were in extra innings. Were extra innings, yeah. One of them, the one to the Yankees, where they. Took a three-run lead in the top of the tenth,
1: and then Ugh, walk gave off the cranny. slam. Yeah, yeah.
0: But they in uh, Taylor Walls. You thought maybe they were going to blow it again tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Walls trying to throw out Mike Trout to end the inning, throws it in the dirt. Isak Paredes didn't have a good fo- footwork at first, wasn't able to scoop, and the Angels score a run. But then Taylor Walls comes back, gets a sack fly to tie it, and they go to the eleventh, and then the Rays win it in the eleventh.
1: Yeah, Shane McClanahan
0: Pitt was dealing again no decision
1: but he is the one i was a little concerned because i think after the all-star break there were a couple starts where his velocity the velo you know it's all about the velo Mm -hmm. um, was down from his usual 199 98 to probably in the mid 90s or you know 96 97 in their range and it kind of looked like well you know and he's in this area where he's never been before in terms of innings pitched and things like this and this is the time when um, you might start to get a little bit of dead arm and then you worry about is there an injury there and that sort of thing. The at-bat that he starts the game with Mike Trout, if you, watch, if you watch that sequence of pitches, he gets him on a fastball at 100 miles an hour that has arm side run. And Trout, who as you know, has one of the quickest bats in, in the majors, um, is just you know a superstar. He just overpowers him. And you just don't see that very much, you know. Uh, to Mike Trout, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Shohei Otani gets 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 two strikes on him, and he bends a curveball on the outside edge <laughs> that Otani just never saw, and and he's still standing there at the plate with the bat in his hands. I mean, that sequence, that first inning was as impressive of an inning that you could ever see against baseball's two greatest players, argu- arguably um
0: yeah he struck him out both their first two at bats
1: yeah each time right he came back and did it again so i mean he he has had one of the best years i've ever seen a race pitcher have now i don't know i don't even know his record which might be a good thing but whatever it is it should be much better than it is Mm -hmm. um, because it doesn't seem like they ever get him any runs And, and here again he went six innings he got off the hook a few times uh didn't give up a run his era is incredibly low uh, he's third, I think, in strikeouts or was entering the game. Yep. He does everything. He, he's he's just you can't if he's on the mound, you're not going to get him. You got a, a tremendous chance to win.
0: Is he the best left-hander in the game today?
1: Have to be, right?
0: I mean, I mean Kershaw, Kershaw probably the best has season been of the left hurt,
1: right? So mm-hmm. you can't count him anymore. Well, um, I, don't, I don't know
0: if Kershaw is at the top of his game. Any. I mean, you know, he's a phenomenal. No, pitcher probably in not, that, but
1: but yeah,
0: you know, to have four pitches as a left-hander that you can command for strikes.
1: And in, your in fastball being 100? Yeah. You throw a honey and have four breaking balls and or change-ups in a slider um, and throw them all for strikes. Here's the thing. It's really interesting as a hitter, you go up there and you go, okay, I want to get him early. I want to get him early in the count because if he gets two strikes on me, I'm done. Like, I'm done. I, I have to get this guy early. And then before you know it, you're 0-2 and it's over. And And he doesn't. You know, he's very efficient for a guy with as many strikeouts as he has, and he has a ton of them, right? He, he doesn't use, you know, very many pitches to get out of an inning. I mean, he averaged probably about 11, 12 pitches an inning in this game, you know? It's just so impressive, so impressive the way he works, and just his demeanor never changes. Mm-hmm. He's stoic out there. Um, yeah, just, just unbelievable year. And, and I don't know who else is up for it, for the Cy Young in the American League. You know, I don't.
0: Well, Verlander's um, got the best ERA. Okay, he's at one eight. He's sixteen and three with a one eight seven
1: ERA. I mean, sixteen and three. Yeah. Listen, records used to be everything. McClanahan's right? eleven so and much. five
0: with a two twenty. Uh huh. Now McClanahan's got the lowest batting average in the American League against.
1: That's what it was. One eighty
0: five. Yeah. He's he's uh, just behind Verlander and WHIP, which is walks and hits divided by innings pitched. Yeah. Point eight five, point eight six. So, I mean, they're right there. I mean. Tony Gonsolin's having a phenomenal year for the Dodgers. 16-1, and 1, 210 ERA. Wow. And a 169 batting average against.
1: I'm going to guess Verlander wins because they won't want to hear from Kate Upton oh, yeah. if he doesn't. Yeah, and Gonsolin's a national
0: them. league, of course. So, McClanahan, Verlander, yeah. and the American League.
1: Yeah, Kate Upton will have a conniption if, if yeah. he doesn't win this time. So. Dylan
0: Cease is doing well for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, McClanahan, and, and it's probably McClanahan and Verlander in the American League.
1: Right yeah they'll give it to the old guy. they'll say, yeah Burlander are... Nah, know, and, and Houston's two. the
0: best team in the American League, so
1: right, right, I see it, and he's won so many before, but still un- unbelievable- uh, uh, unbelievable stuff, great performance, and the Rays are playing good baseball they're winning they're winning mm-hmm. close games the other night they were able to separate and 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 pile on some runs, which they haven't been able to do very consistently, and then now you win an extra inning game, which has been sort of their Achilles, so um I was I've been impressed the way they played. However, and I don't have it in front of me, um the guys on the T V broadcast, Brian Anderson, uh and them and Dwayne Stats read off the schedule for September and sort of the very end of August. Woof, it is not good. It is
0: a lot of division games. Yeah. So September you've you're hosting the Yankees, hosting the Red Sox mm-hmm. at the Yankees, at Toronto, and that's a five game series in Toronto.
1: Five games, right.
0: Uh Hosting Texas, hosting Houston, hosting Toronto, then finishing at Cleveland, at Houston, at Boston.
1: I mean, that seems like a hell of a road trip to end the year with. If you're if you're within you know two or three games of each other in a wild card. So if know?
0: if the Rays end up in the second or the third wild card, they could legitimately play fourteen straight games on the road before they host a playoff. Game. <laughs>
1: That's insane, man. Because Just their last on.
0: nine games are on the road. Come on. Then you would play, if if you're the second or third wild card, you're going to play all three games of the, the first round on the road, assuming it goes three. Right. And then you would open the next round on the road for the first two. They could end up with 14 straight road games before they host a playoff game. And it it's would insane. be their, at that point, their sixth playoff game. But.
1: Yeah, that's, that's just, I mean.
0: And it's unfortunate. Normally they would have ended with just six on the road. But that Boston series at the end got moved from the first series of the year to the, to end. the end because they started a week late, if you remember, with the, the lockout right. and starting training late, mm-hmm. and that's why the Toronto series, a five-game series, it's you know they added games there. And the schedule's out for next year too. Came out. Which why?
1: Why does baseball do that? Can I ask you that question? Because you know the NFL has and they mm-hmm. they monetize everything. They everything's a big TV show, right? And I mm-hmm. get they only play once a week, but even in, in the off season. You go through the months, and you can say, okay, February Combine, March free agency, mm-hmm. uh, at end of April, beginning of May draft, um, OTAs, mandatory, you know, veteran minicamps, all that stuff, and the schedule release, which is also uh, at the end of May, is a mm-hmm. big day. This year, they, they had like three nights, including international games. everything. Why does baseball, in the dead of summer, in the dog days of summer, drop next year's schedule? And again... There's 162 games, so it's not like you're going to comb over and go win, 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 I'm guessing it's for ticket sales. Get your tickets now? I mean, we're about a year away. Now, Christmas
0: time, you know, Mm. I mean, all that. I mean, you know, trying to generate excitement while your your team is playing now. Okay. That's my guess. I mean, you know, baseball has some disadvantages, like their draft they have to do in the middle of the season right? because that's when the college season ends and the high school seasons end. Right. You know, you can't wait like the NFL where you do it in April before your next season. Yeah,
1: I understand that. That makes sense. um, But you know, there's some
0: disadvantages that way with the schedule, but baseball's done that recently. Next year, only thirteen games against your division. You're gonna play every team at least once. Which I love. You play every team at least three games, not necessarily at home. You get either home or a road. And your division, your natural rival, you play four times, like the Yankees and Mets play four times instead of three. Um, but I, I I don't know what you think this schedule. I like it. I'm tired of seeing the Orioles or what 19 times. I
1: I yeah. for anything that's more balanced. Um, and yeah, and I like I, see, I, I like
0: seeing all the players. I, you know I want to see other teams. Yeah, yeah I want to see the stars in the National League more often, even if it's mm-hmm. on TV because it's a road series. Right. You know I I I, I like I like the new schedule. Um, now. One of the disadvantages, the Rays have to go west a lot more.
1: Yeah, those are tough.
0: You know, they've got a couple trips in the middle of the season, back-to-back West Coast trips. Mm. You know, with a home series in between. So that's not easy. So there's going to be some schedule, things like that, because, you know, now you're going to you're gonna go west more often or the west teams are going to go east more often because you're playing everybody.
1: Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well... I'll look at it and try to commit to what record they will have next year as I go through it. And and we're going to go through win the matchups. Yeah, win that'll be that'll be the next week of podcast. Uh, exactly one sixty two and oh man. Yeah.
0: And then when the spring's uh, training schedule comes out, we'll go through that one and break it down.
1: <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> um, we're going to break down your mailbag questions today, and there were plenty of submissions, so we're going to get to those in just a second. But first. Your energy bill is going up. It's hotter than the sun, but I have a solution. It's called May Electric Solar, and it's a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing electric systems for 12 years now. You know there's a lot of these fly-by-net companies, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship. With a 30-year labor and service warranty plus, every installation you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances, that right there is the May difference. So if you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products. It conducts on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who's doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862 to schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill for all, all year long and preserve your quality of life and Preserve your appliances through every storm season. May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. All right, we got some mailbag questions. It's been a long week. Uh, let's get started.
0: All right, we'll start with Paul who emailed, and it's more of a comment, but uh, there's plenty to comment on with his. So he says, I don't think the Bucks should panic about the offensive line. Tristan Wirfs will have one more year experience. Donovan Smith has arguably his best two years ever. He's cut down on holding penalties. Shaq Mason has graded out better in his career than Ali Marpet At left guard, probably the weakest O-line position in the last few years with Alex Kappa. I quit counting how many times his footwork screwed up and he got pancaked. I think with some experience, Gedeke could hold his own at left guard. They always say center's the most cerebral position on the line, and, well, Hainsy fits that mold. Heck, he definitely won't have six unsportsmanlike penalties and a dozen bad snaps. I still think we should go after the Browns center for depth.
1: Signed, Jason Light. <laughs> um, jeez. uh, except for the last part, which is not going to happen, uh, it, cause it hasn't happened yet. And it's not likely if you notice, no team has signed <laughs> the center from the Browns and the Browns lost both their centers, by the way, um, to injury. This is what the Bucks keep preaching. And I guess at some point you have to take them at their word. And we were talking to John SpyTech yesterday and he, you know, is their director of player personnel. Uh, and he just said, look, you know, um, we like our guys. We like our guys a lot. Now, you know, if there's somebody out there that's better, we'll go get them. But, you know, they feel pretty good about the guys that they selected to to protect Brady. And even though Robert Stinney has played a lot of football and he would have been terrific in terms of depth, uh, he wasn't probably going to make the 53, you know. And they have expanded – the practice squads, I think they're like 16 players. You can activate a guy without subjecting him to waivers. There's a lot of new rules that kind of make the roster bigger this year. Um, but, I, you know, I think the guys that are playing are the ones that are going to be playing this season. And I think, you know, Donovan Smith is as good a left tackle as there is in the game. Uh, he hasn't made the Pro Bowl, which I don't get. But, um, you know, at times he can get a little lazy. But for the most part, you know, Durable, doesn't miss any plays, doesn't give up a ton of sacks, just really steady. That's what you want in your left tackle. Um, They've liked what Hainsey has done. Hainsey, for all the things that he's not, one thing that he is is he's really smart. And he hasn't made a lot of mental errors, which at at that position, that's what gets your quarterback killed. So, um, you know, he has picked up the stunts and the twists and the blitz, and as far as I know, he's called a good game, you know, in terms of relating the defensive front's uh, to the quarterback. Now, whether Brady is completely comfortable with him, I don't know. That remains to be seen. Obviously, he's upset that Ryan Jensen got hurt. You, you know, that's the quickest way to Tom Brady. You're at his feet when you come inside. But Shaq Mason has played and protected Brady before. Um, he has complete confidence in him. And Tristan Wurfs is a gold jacket guy so long as he, you know, overcomes this, uh, this issue, which they say he will in time for Dallas. So I always say this, like, no team has three tackles, okay? So if you lose Wirfs or you lose Donovan Smith, you're coming in with Josh Wells. Well, they did that in a playoff game last year, and then Wells got hurt, and that didn't work out. No team has two centers, right? I've seen teams like the Atlanta Falcons years ago um, lose their center, and they were god-awful. But the Bucks did draft Robert Hainsey in the fourth round. The plan was to move him inside, and he's gained some experience. He's smart as hell. So you might survive it, you know, you, you just might survive it. Um, and then, you know, you're you're counting on a rookie the way you used to count on Marpet, the way you used to count on, um, you know, Alex Kappa and all those young guys, even Donovan Smith uh, at one point started as a rookie. And they held up for the most part, and they're going to have to hold up again. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot of questions about the offensive line that, that as a fan, I can understand you having. Um, but they will tell you that they look at the tape totally different and, um, you know, we don't know what we don't know. So I guess you have to trust their expertise and not ours.
0: All right, Greg tweeted us. So the Bucks have a new center and two new guards. There's going to be some growing pains, as Tom Brady has repeatedly said how continuity is so important. But how important will the running backs and tight ends be to help with pass protection up the middle? And will we, receive, will we see the return of the fullback to this offense?
1: Well, I mean, they've used Coach Keefe in that position quite a bit, and he's a good blocker. Um, I don't know that you're going to run out of the eye all night or all day. Um, But I do think there'll be more of a commitment to running the football, and I do think the running backs are going to be huge in this offense, Um, in part because Gronk is in here. And, you know, the tight ends you have, um, you can use an extra offensive lineman if you want to go three tight ends and pound the ball, Uh, whether it's Josh Wells or somebody like him. Um, we know that Leonard Fournette is a workhorse back. He's a three-down back. He doesn't have to come off the field. I think you are going to see Rashard White play an awful lot. I, I, I really am high on this guy, and I, and if he lets me down, I'll be the first one to say, "Well, didn't see that coming." Um, but he's, you know, he's a smart guy. That's the first thing you need in 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 the league is smart football players. And when I say that, I mean assignment ready dudes. You know, there is a lot of guys that are willing. To stick their face in there and and pick up blitzes and block, um, but you got to know who to who to block. And I think I think in this case, White, you have both, but you also have a guy you've never had in this offense since Brady has been here, and that is a running back, um, you know, like they've had in New England for years, who can who can actually line up on the line of scrimmage, get a, a mismatch with a safety or a linebacker, and win win an option route and make himself available to Brady, and then do something after the catch. And he has outstanding hands. Um, He's a physical player, uh, um, explosive, you know, at at the point of attack, and and can really, you know, go from zero to 60 pretty quick. So, to me, you know, to me the running backs are going to be huge in this game, in in this this offense, and and tight ends – Maybe maybe lesser catches for sure because Gronk had over 50 and 800 yards and, and five touchdowns, but then I think you make that up with Julio Jones. I think you make that up with Russell Gage. You just find other ways um, to get your best players on the field for Brady in those passing situations. So, you know, I, I kind of I like their running backs because I think they got better. I think Keyshawn Vaughn is serviceable when you need him. He proved that last year in the playoff game against Philly. Uh, I don't know that they're going to keep Giovanni Bernard. He's been hurt. So if they keep four, he'll he he'll probably be around. Um, but, you know, frankly, they're in a better running back situation this year than they were last year because Ronald Jones didn't know who to block, and, and they pretty much put him in the doghouse, and he was done. And now he's in Kansas City, and I don't know if he's killing it there or not. But I I just think they did a nice job. and And, and how you call it as well, like, you know, they're going to run the football sometimes and not be that successful, but they're still going to do it because um, Bowles is going to want to keep his defense fresh, you know, and, and you, you have to play complementary football against some of these high-powered teams, and the Bucks have struggled against them. So you're going to have to find ways uh, just to get one more point instead of worrying about hanging 35. Uh, I think too often they, they try to just, you know, let's, let's go out there and score 30, and that should be enough. Um, but, you know, you put your defense in a bad situation. So that, that's, where I, that's where I think it's headed. And, yes, the tight ends running backs, always important, of course.
0: David had tweeted. He said, I think an issue for the Buccaneers flying under the radar is their awful punt coverage in 2021. Are you or anyone in the Bucks building concerned considering how awful it's looked in the preseason?
1: Yeah, I would be. But then I, I get paid to be concerned. I, I, you know, again, if, I'm sure if you talk to them, they would say we've tried about 20 different gunners. And we're going to eventually settle on them when we get to the regular season. And, you know, Grant Stewart was one of those guys that led them, I think, in special teams tackles last year. He had over 11, I think. And he's been hurt this training camp. But, you know, he's on the mend and if he comes back, he'll be that guy again who runs down there with, you know, big hair, don't care, uh, and and makes a lot of tackles. Um, They're more athletic as a team overall so that means you should have better athletes playing playing special teams um, but they're still trying to settle on you know who can do it and and it's a it's a tough position and if you're playing i think part of the reason why some of these guys haven't looked good in the preseason is they're not playing anybody so you have a lot of starters or guys getting a lot of reps on offense and on defense that have to then go in and play all the teams and that kind of wears you out a little bit um I'm not sure that'll be the case in the regular season but their teams have been awful to very awful the last few years I thought um you know I like Camarda he's he's got an enormous leg he needs to show it more, show it off more in the games um I think he's really really good and then you know the battle between Suckup and them um I don't know Jose Jose Borgalles missed some field goals in practice the other day again and I think suck up making one over 50 yards in the game at Tennessee was probably huge for his, his confidence and their confidence. Um, but special teams. Yes. Uh, you know, they, they're hoping that, you know, they'll have more defensive players brought to the mix and they'll be, um, you know, a little better equipped to tackle and run down there and do those things. And again, that's, that's just sort of the Todd Bowles philosophy being a defensive coordinator. they, they can't get much worse. And in the return game, you know, I'm sorry, but Jalen Darden has to prove to me he can be a return man in this league. And you don't get a lot of chances except that when they were playing the Bucs, they were so bad at it that they they were mortar mortar kicking, you know, the ball to the goal line to make you bring it out because they figured, well, if we can just make this this kick returner have to field it and bring it out, we're going to pin him inside the twenty. And most of the times they did. Um, and so I want to see Darden. You know, run through a wall at a head of steam instead of, you know, not being uh, very forceful. So, lots to work to do on the special teams, but but really there is every year. It just it wins so many games for you, Uh, and if it doesn't win them, it can certainly lose them.
0: All right, had tweeted. Said you say Kyle Trask won't be the future. I think it's too early to tell. But if the Bucks agree with you, would it make sense to try and sign Blaine Gabbert to a multi-year deal during the season? If Tom Brady decides he won't be back, Blaine would have a lot of leverage.
1: Blaine would have some leverage. I don't think Blaine's going to go anywhere if, in fact, you know, Tom Brady were to leave um, unless, unless the Bucks were able to aggressively bring in another franchise quarterback. You know, let's say Lamar Jackson, and I don't know that he fits anything they do, but let's say Lamar Jackson's a free agent, which as we do this podcast, he doesn't have a contract for next year. If you wanted to go big game humming, hunting the way the Glazers have, and they said we're all in for a proven starting quarterback, MVP-type dude, then, then go for it. Um, otherwise, what would have been this year with Brady retired is what will be next year, and that is Gabbert battling with Trask for the starting job. And you go, well, why would Gabbert come back, then have a contract? Well, you know, his first eight years in the league, he spent with eight different coordinators. So now he's been in this system for a number of consecutive years. He knows the nuances. He sat next to Brady. He's watched him go out there, try to implement a game plan, make mistakes, correct them, go back out there again. And I think that Gabbard could have sort of a, you know, sort of a second, you know, second page to his career because um, he keeps himself in tremendous shape. He's got a cannon for an arm, um, and I think he's probably learned a lot of football being around Tom Brady, and I think that'll probably rub off for him.
0: You mentioned the free agency, so Sean had tweeted, or I think he emailed actually, this free agency was wild and we didn't see it coming. With the team ready to go and some of these free agents last year signing three-year deals, we're basically going to be a quarterback away once Tom Brady leaves. So do you see the Bucks throwing the Federal Reserve at one if they become available, like Lamar Jackson, or sending multiple draft picks and maybe a player or two to pry one away from another team?
1: Well, people don't trade good quarterbacks. They trade trouble quarterbacks. You know, they trade Baker Mayfield. They trade Jimmy Garoppolo, guys they don't want. But could there be some serviceable guys in that? And the Bucks looked at Baker Mayfield and others. Yes, there could be. Um, I think the Glazers are going to be, you know, knowing the team they have since Brady has brought back a lot of these free agents, right? Um, they're going to be one player away. Unfortunately, it's the same player everybody's looking for. It's the quarterback. And so, you know, barring a Russell Wilson like I want to see it out of Seattle or, or, you know, Aaron Rodgers saying I want out of Green Bay and I want to come to Tampa Bay, um, I think they're going to be looking at the usual suspects. Now, Lamar Jackson's intriguing. Uh, he has said if he doesn't have a deal by the start of the regular season, then he is not talking anymore. And he'll be a free agent next year. But imagine the number of teams that'll be willing to throw Fort Knox at him. I would include the Bucks in that. Listen, the Glazers have gotten a taste of it. Okay, they, they had they had done it in two thousand two when they came aboard. Um, Gruden didn't get back; really, only got back to like one or two more playoff games, um, and they kind of lost that love and feeling. Man, they forgot what it was like, and then all of a sudden, Tom Brady shows up, and now it's like a drug. Your team relevancy, right? And and to go back into the abyss is not something I think they're interested in doing. You know, they have expanded seats at that stadium. Um, you know, their merchandise is flying off the shelves. They're going to want to be, you know, every team's going to want to be able to sell something. And the quarterback position, you know, it, it, here's the other thing. If you have a team like the Bucks have, where you have all these weapons at running back and wide receiver and maybe tight end, then quarterbacks are going to want to play here because they think they can win. Um, that's going to be and Todd Bowles is a player's coach. So I think they have a lot of things going for him. I just don't know who's on the list. I'd be surprised It, it, you know, maybe not surprised, but I guess it would be odd if they just say, okay, we got our two guys, you know, we're, we're closed for business. Yeah. We lost Brady. Um, but we're good. You know, with, we're good with Blaine. We're good with Kyle. Get out of our faces. I, I don't think you can do that. and, for that reason, they'll have a they'll they'll have five or six guys they think they can either pry away or will be free agents, and then they'll go from there, like they did this year. Quite frankly,
0: all right. CB Samson says, "Seeing how Tom Brady just had eleven days off, would this help his Bucks' cause in trying to re-sign him after the season if he plays again? Of course. While it's likely thirty-one out of thirty-two teams would have allowed him to do this, imagine asking Bill Belichick that." The fact is the Bucks did it and also kept quiet as to why he was gone. It has to mean something if Tom is looking for another break in future training camps.
1: I don't think Tom Brady can have a complaint about the Bucks in the three years he's now three years he's been there. I really don't. I don't know what it would be. Honest to God. If you didn't like the coaching or you didn't think they were as accountable or your team wasn't as disciplined because of it, okay fine, I'll give you that with Bruce Arians, you still won a Super Bowl with the guy. I mean, let's not forget, you won a Super Bowl with two coaches in your life. One was Bill Belichick and the other was, is, you know, the guy with the beard, no risk it, no biscuit. I mean, Bruce Arians was there with the confetti coming down on his head, so he couldn't have been that bad for you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I I, I always thought that, that Brady's going to feel very comfortable with Todd Bowles. And 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 I think Bowles is going to hold guys accountable. So I I just feel like this is his last year here, you know. Uh, and and I don't know that he's going to play it beyond this year anyway, because unlike last off season, he knows what he's doing when he quits. And now where the family and all that fits in, because he had this, you know, sort of. Unexpected eleven day hiatus. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what. What. what does forty six year old Tom Brady want? I think they would give him anything he wanted, as, so long as we get to the end of the year and he's still functional. I was always told that, that what will get him out of the game is an injury, you know, something serious enough to where he'd have to rehab it and go like, "No, nah, I'm good." Um, but as long as he felt good, he would continue to play. Now, you know, with the kids, with everything else, with the job at Fox waiting for him, maybe that changes his mind. Um, but yeah, I quarterback, man, (laughs) if you don't have one, it changes everything, but they're going to have a good football team and and you should be able to attract them.
0: All right, we'll switch to the Rays, and Craig had tweeted us. so said, we saw a fan favorite Brett Phillips get DFA'd earlier this year because of the bat. Could we see another in G-Man Choi? He's not started since Friday now, when he sent this note. Batting 150 of his last 30 games, also has been on a steady decline since 2019. I guess this is why they tried to get Freddie Freeman.
1: Buy or sell, G-Man Choi gone before the end of the year? Steve Versnick. What before say? the end of the year, no. At the end of the season.
0: Is there, a chance, is there a good chance he's not back next year, the way he's playing right now? Yeah.
1: Yeah. See, I See, I I think that we're seeing the last of him here. And I don't even know. Is, I mean, are I there mean some who players else would you that, play
0: at first base? I mean, that's the whole question. So well, who else would you play at first base?
1: Ramirez could play there. He's not very good. I, um, and we
0: saw Paredes had some bad footwork tonight. Paredes which, I mean, some, it was yeah. a bad throw from Taylor Walls, but.
1: But are you we know. really playing G Man Choi for his glove? That's pathetic. I mean, his glove is good. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like, you know, he's not Keith Hernandez down there in his prime. Let's be honest.
0: No, no, not even close.
1: You know, he's just the best they have. So, how much, how much defense really are we sacrificing if he's not the first baseman? I mean, that's not why. We're, that's not why they got him. They didn't get him well, to play for. And, it just turned out to be an added yeah. bonus that he could do it.
0: And the other part of this is all those guys that play first. Okay, you know, Paredes, mm. Yandi Diaz, you said Harold Ramirez, if you Chang, they're all right-handed. That's bats. true. I mean, G-Man Choi is your left-handed bat at first. Who else you got? No, you're right. Is he struggling right now? Absolutely he is. Yeah. And long-term prospects here, I don't know how good they are, but he's your only left-handed batting first baseman at this point.
1: Well, he's just got to get out of his funk. Mm-hmm. I mean you know he's had moments and where he could carry you for a week or two but yeah.
0: and this week he hasn't started much because they've been facing left handers
1: right that's true you
0: know he started he started on Wednesday night because it was a right hander now today in the day game is going to be a left hander going he'll probably be on the bench again yeah he doesn't he doesn't start against left handed pitching
1: i think that hurts you too like mm-hmm. i'm sorry but like you know again at the lower level that i played uh, in college if you're not in the lineup it's really hard to play one day, not play, then play again. It just is. Come off the bench and having that bat or two, it's just hard, man. You know, mm-hmm. you just don't get in any kind of a rhythm. You know, once in a while, like you, you'll you know you'll have a good day and you you can get by. But for the most part, man, it's it's just about hitting. Is like anything else. It's just it's confidence. Sports is all about confidence, and the more you're up there, and the more chances you have to. You know, not just fail, but actually get a feel for everything and see the baseball and not be jumpy. The other thing that happens when you don't play, you feel like um, I've got to prove my worth here. I need to get a couple knocks today or I'm not going to be in the lineup tomorrow. And that's not the way to go about it either. It's Although, human
0: in his case, he knows if it's a right-hander, he's playing. I mean, He knows he's playing against the right. It's you know. not the I got hit to hit tomorrow. No, no, starting. no, I know, I mean, but,
1: but you're still sort of yes. out of a rhythm. I mean, yes. they put these guys in the best position to get hits, you know. Lefties are hitting righties. Righties are hitting left. They they are trying to load it up for you. If I only hit lefties in my career, I might have gone a long way, because I could wear them out. My best friend was left-handed, and we took batting practice from the time we were five years old. It seems like, um, and and I, so I, you know, I was used to that side of the arm, but, you know, I I know what you're saying. It's just I it's just hard to not play a lot. You know, to come in one day. And yeah, they ran into a bunch of a bunch of lefties, so maybe that's why he wasn't in the lineup. But he's got I mean, he's gotta get going. I I like G Man. G Man has, has surprised me uh, over the years. But I don't know that you win a World Series with him at first. I just don't. Like that to me that should be a position of power, great power, and they have none. And it should be a, at least a position of, you know, pretty secure defense. And I think mm-hmm. G Man is okay. He's the best they have. Mm-hmm. I still, every throw that goes over there, I wonder if he's going to touch, fall off the bag or not. You know, I do. And I, I don't, you know, it's not a smooth first baseman by any means, you know, but um, but serviceable. And surprising because of him, because of his size, and surprising because maybe he didn't know he had that in him. But they've had some great first basemen in this franchise before. He's not necessarily one of them. So you'd like to see somebody, but... I don't know. That's what they got. You know, he's got to get going, and maybe he will. There's a lot of baseball left. I can't believe how many – you know, you look at the season and you go, well, we're into almost September. It's like, they still got a lot of games, man. (laughs) It's still a lot of games to play.
0: All right, Tomato had uh, emailed you. He said, how many more games would Shane McClanahan have won if the Rays' offense was better?
1: (laughs) Well, look at his ERA, and then look at the runs that the Rays don't score. And then you figure if his ERA is two and they score three you know during the time he's in there, he probably wins the, the majority of them. I mean, mm-hmm. wins and losses are have kind of gone by the side. Unless you have a lot of wins and a, and a few losses, you don't notice really the record as much. You do notice the ERA and the whip and all those things. Um, but I think McClanahan, the way he has pitched, had they've supported him, which they have not, um they, we know their offense doesn't hit home runs which is the biggest problem they don't run the bases which is also an issue had had they supported him I think you could have had a year similar to what the David Price's or the James Shields back in the day had when they were you know either winning Cy Young's or or, or all-stars I mean and he was an all-star but I I think you would have had a hell of a lot of wins you know it's it's there's he can't you know, he can't hit it too, so if he comes out and he pitches like he did the other night, six scoreless, what what else could he have done? You know, somebody's got to pick him up, and that's how the win-loss thing gets kind of skewed. Um, so, yeah, if he had more offense, like if they come out in the first inning and had the bases loaded with one out and they get a couple knocks and all of a sudden it's 3 nothing and he goes out of the game in the sixth, the 3 nothing lead, he gets the win. You know, when he goes out and it's 0-0 and then, you know, The bullpen gives it up, and it goes back and forth till you get the extras. He's not on the hook for anything. So it's kind of the luck of the draw a little bit, but he certainly has pitched well to have a much better record than he's sitting with now, and I don't even know what his record is.
0: 11-5. and
1: Okay. Well, to me, he probably could or should have about five more wins.
0: All right. Rooting for UF had tweeted us. He says, assuming the Angels cannot afford Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, Once Otani gets to free agency, Rick, you now own the Angels. Congratulations. What do you do?
1: Assuming they don't have them anymore?
0: Assuming you don't have the money to re-sign Otani. Oh. Because you got Trout under contract when Otani
1: becomes a free agent. So I get nothing back for him? You could
0: trade him beforehand.
1: It's tough. It's tough, man, because... That guy's a draw. In addition to being the best player in the game, he's, he's a, he's a two-position guy. And whatever I'm paying him, I'd have to pay two players to get them. Now imagine what you have to pay a player um, to be your ace of your staff that throws 100 miles an hour and doesn't give up you know more than two or three runs a game. What's that guy just by himself worth? Okay, now add to it a guy um, who can rake the way Otani does. You know, so no matter what you pay him, you'd be paying two players superstar wages you know i i i don't believe in getting rid of superstar players unless i get such a bargain and such a volume of of top prospects throughout you know a bunch of systems i i just you know it's still a game where you're selling tickets people want to see him he's a draw right you know from what i understand and listening to joe madden talk and the story that mark tompkin wrote they just have no Cohesion between the bench and the front office, you know like the guys in the front office run everything, and as Joe said, they should just put on a uniform and sit down there um, so they've got some, they've got some structural flaws that go well and beyond their talent, you know, and i don't know how you fix that i don't I think you have to have the, the right manager and the right general manager that you know while analytics are important, um, let the bench coach coach. But I can't fathom how you can have Mike Trout, Shohei Itani, and then the two best players in the world um, and consistently get your brains beat out. And then you fire Joe Madden when he's about two or three games below 500. And now your baseball team's about 15 below 500. How'd that work out? You know? So they've got to find some kind of rhythm between management, the manager and the front office, or it won't matter who owns that team. You know? But I'm not into trading away great players unless it just – you know fills the entire coffers of my minor leagues for the next 10 years you know and then throwing a coke machine like you know like they did in Moneyball, you know what's mm-hmm. that you want cokes yeah i want i want you to pay for my cokes all year long do that as well
0: all right we'll end on this and go snarf it tweeted he says is it considered okay for a guy over the age of 40 to wear a jersey to a game if that jersey of the, is of a player older than them this may require the input of fashionista tom jones
1: well, we're going to go to Tom Jones in our Fashion Easter report right here, right now. Dun dun dun, dun 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 dun. We should call him at you know this god awful morning time that we're doing this. One fifteen a.m. Yeah, he's probably. Oh, up. you gave it up. You gave it up. That's right, folks. We do this for you at one fifteen in the morning because it's important. Um, let's summon the great. Tom W. Jones, and we'll get a response. And his response is, and I think, to me, so it is written, so let it be said. He said,
0: I've always thought it completely lame for anyone to wear a jersey with the name of an athlete who is younger than the person wearing the jersey, especially if that person is older than 40.
1: Perfect. To me, that's the rule. That is the rule.
0: But what if you're 44 and you're wearing a Tom Brady jersey?
1: No. No can't
0: the the player's older than you
1: Mm, so you're saying there's a tom brady exception here
0: well i'm asking if there is
1: well let's see so no one can wear a jersey with the name of an athlete who is younger than the person wearing the jersey especially if that person is older than 40
0: but i'm saying the person could be 44 and they're still younger than tom brady
1: I mean, it's a technicality. I guess you could get away with it. I still think it looks stupid. To be honest with you, and this is just me, I think anybody over the age of 25 wearing a jersey looks stupid. Am I wrong about that? But then again, I think Ah. it looks stupid for baseball managers that are 75 like Tony La Russa to wear a freaking uniform on the bench. What about Joe Madden still wearing cleats? That looks stupid. (laughs) Okay. Um, they should all dress like Connie Mack back in the day, you know, put a suit and hat on. I, I'm not Jersey. I have owned exactly zero jerseys in my lifetime. Zero. Zero. I have my own uniforms from all the baseball teams I played on. Never put on a football jersey in my life. Now my son wore him. He was into it. You know, he had his favorite players and they were all over the league. You know, it was Michael Vick or Ocho Cinco and those guys. He didn't have any allegiance to any, any given team. Um you know, I guess I guess if you pinned him down, he'd say the Bucks, but he went to mostly Bucks games. But I, I just you know, you're not on the team. You can wear the colors. I think women, as far as I'm concerned, can wear as many jerseys at any age. I don't care. But yeah, there's something about it, man. I just it's just not for me. It's just not for me. You know? How do you feel about it? You you do you, do you wear do you own jerseys?
0: I I've got some from many many years ago, but I haven't you, you I haven't don't worn wear them, in, right? I haven't worn them in years. Yeah. No, I don't I generally I wear I wear golf shirts.
1: I like the rule that Tom has put forward, but we're going to have to see if he has an addendum because if there's a yeah. Brady rule, you know. Yeah. I Brady I have rule. no
0: problem if you want to wear a jersey. I just, I don't I choose not to. Wear whatever just, you want to wear. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: I mean, jerseys are better than what a lot of people wear just regularly. Anyway. Well,
1: you got that. That's true. <laughs> it could could be the tank top or something like that. It could be worse, I suppose. So, how about if you put your name on it and not the player's name? Do you see those anymore? Yeah,
0: yeah. The personalized ones. Personalized? Yeah. I yeah. have no problem with it.
1: You know what we do when we go to visiting stadiums? This is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So, hmm um, So... The further the game is from Tampa, the more eclectic collection of jerseys you'll see. Because people relocate 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and they have their Bucks jersey. And the Bucks come to town for that one game, and they put it on, and you go out there, and you see, like, Chris Sims. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> is that a two jersey right there? Is that a Sims jersey? You know? You still the mo- the most common jersey you see on the road is who? Who do you think? I'll help you, Mike Allstott. Yes, the the A train is still far and away the most popular buck worldwide. Um, after that, it can get it can get a little skewed. You'll see um, you'll see some SAP. You'll see some uh, Simeon Rice. You know you know you see some Ronnie Barbers and things like that. Um, but but every once in a while, you'll catch some bizarre one you know, and it's, and it's fun to try to go through the audience and, and we write down, sometimes we're bored and we're there before the game way too early. So we'll get a tablet out and we'll start, we'll start counting how many, how many Brady jerseys, right? How many, uh, the current jerseys. Now, now what are the outliers? What are the weirdest ones? And you get like bonus points. If you find one that's like, you know, Tom Tupa, like a Tom Tupa Jersey would be, would blow, would blow away the game. I don't even know what the point value would be. Um, but you will you will come across some some interesting ones, you know, because the, again, the further away you go, the older the jersey is, and the more bizarre it might be, which is really fun. All right, thanks for your mailbag questions. Tomorrow we're going to have Matt Baker going to talk a lot of college football. I think this is the first week they're going to have games. Steve is that week right? Week zero. Week zero. Yeah, it's
0: like twelve games or so this weekend. uh what northwestern wisconsin or or northwestern nebraska i think is probably the biggest one but florida state plays duquesne
1: is there an actual college game day this saturday
0: i'm sure there's a show i don't think they're on the road though
1: it's not the yeah Yeah. so until you wake up and you they're coming to your city like it's not college football season to me to me Mm -hmm. once once those guys are all in the you know in some city then it is but i'll watch i'll absolutely watch and uh, so Matt Baker tomorrow, and we're going to have, um, of course, the Bucks are going to continue their preparations for the final preseason game against the Colts, and then the Rays and the Angels go at it again. Going for so, the sweep. Yeah, this could be it. Bring your brooms. Bring your brooms to the trap. They need you. Also, we need you to support our sponsor, May Electric Solar. If you want to save some money on your electric bill, uh, start having this thing installed. They've been in business for 12 years. You can save money, and uh, you're going to get, worth of surge protection. You're going to get a 30-year warranty. What else do you want? Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. Thanks for listening. For Steve Ersnick, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.